The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, Typology Tribe, this is Ian Morgan Cron, your host here on the podcast on which we explore the mystery of the human personality through Through the lens of of the the Enneagram. Enneagram. I am here in the (laughs) Typology studio along with my dear friend, producer, engineer, Anthony Skinner. Anthony, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Ian. How are you? I am really great because last night we had a bomb of a time. Come on. Last night, we went and saw two of our good friends, two great friends to, yes. uh, to Typology. Yes. We saw Johnny Swim perform. That's right. And we saw our dear friend, Drew Holcomb. Guest surprise artist, Drew Holcomb. Wasn't that awesome? Yes. There were about 10,000 people out on the green in Nashville to see these guys. So it was full of excitement. And we stayed out till about one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. But yes. we're energized. We aren't are. We? Yeah. I want to tell folks and just remind them that Drew Holcomb and the neighbors have a brand new record. It dropped this week. That's right. Dragons. It's called Dragons. And if you want a preview of that, you could actually go to the episode that we did with Drew and Ellie. Oh, my word. Did he not lay it down that day? They laid that song down that day, and it sounded like it was right off the record, right? For real. Everybody, please go on to Spotify or wherever you download your music and get Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors' new record, Dragons. Yes. It's killer. Yep. And they killed it. Johnny Swim, and he killed it. (laughs) As always. Last night. Yeah, really, as always. Hey, I am so excited today. I'm pumped. Woo-woo. Yes. We have my friend Allie Fallon on the show. Yeah. And uh, coming to us live from Los Angeles, California. Uh, Allie's a speaker. Yes. She is a coach. She's the author of 10 books, which I completely don't understand, including her memoir, Packing Light, Thoughts on Living Life with Less Baggage. Over the last 10 years, she has not only written prolifically, but has coached hundreds of authors to complete their creative projects through her in-person writing workshops, which I can commend fully, wholeheartedly. She has online courses. She does one-to-one support work. She's been featured on Huffington Post, Relevant Magazine, and Donald Miller's Storyline blog. She lives in LA. Allie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to be here. Now, you are the greatest number on the Enneagram. (laughs) 
<laughs> Do you say that to everyone? <laughs> no, yes. just to this number. <laughs> just to this number. <laughs> yeah, I'm very specific. Yes. <laughs> you are an Enneagram 4. Yes, I am. How did you figure that out? Um, for me, the easiest way to figure out my type was just reading through all the types. And I was pre- it was uh, pretty obvious to me once I read through each of the types that the four was me. Um, the only trouble I had determining was I do have a really strong three wing. And so I went back and forth, forth for a bit, wondering if I was maybe a three with a four wing or a four with a three wing. But um, for me, the deciding factor was that the four and the three would argue, but the four would always win out. <laughs> so like if I walk in a room, for example, I can walk in a room and like do the schmooze thing and, and like, you know, really be charming and make people like me. But then I, I walk out of the room at the end of the night and I feel like the four is, is the one that wins. It's like, why'd you do that? <laughs> right. So. Right. Well, yes. Why were you so inauthentic? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so tortured. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You know, so fours typically want deep, deep, authentic relationships, uh, both with themselves and with other people. And so they are people who are concerned with issues like meaning. Uh, They're very fluent in the language of symbolism and aesthetics. And that's a way to to help them understand and express the the problem of human suffering. Mm -hmm. Now, you've got a book out, Indestructible is the title. This is your latest book, right? Yes. Yep. Right indestructible, leveraging your broken heart to become a force of love and change. And I'm wondering if that's, uh, you know, uh, indicative of this force way of being in the world, which is how do I make sense of human suffering? Mm-hmm. Is that, what do you think? Absolutely. I mean, the, the book is a very personal story for me. It's the story of leaving an abusive relationship and going through this divorce and completely um, like dismantling my faith perspective and trying to reimagine what it meant to be a person of faith and a believer in the world and um, and and just completely reshaping my identity and trying to make sense of this thing that didn't make any sense to me at all. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it fits perfectly with that concept of how a four moves through the world and um, and always wants to go below the surface it's for me, it was more than just how do I on a physical level survive financially this transition in my life and how do I survive practically and where am I going to live? And, you know, all those questions that you're asking when you go through a massive life transition like that um, and an unexpected transition. But it was also all the stuff that was happening under the surface, asking the questions about who am I and what makes me matter and why am I here? And actually, I mean, for me, the interesting part is what I discovered was that the writing process itself is part of how I wrestle with those questions. And, and it's changed the way that I teach writing too, because I've, I've been working with authors for a decade, but it's changed the way that I think about writing and the way that I teach it. Because if writing is a way for us to wrestle with the big questions of life, then why shouldn't writing be a tool that literally anybody could use to wrestle with the big questions of life, whether or not they're ever going to publish their story? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's been my experience as a writer. It's like, how do I articulate the interior landscape that I live, that I live with every day? And, and because I think fours, man, they just have this driving need to be understood. Yes, totally. And so they're, 
So we're always explaining ourselves to people, which, <laughs> which can drive people crazy after a while because they're like, we get it. Stop talking about yourself, yeah. you know? And, 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 and it's not always narcissism though. I suppose it could be, it's really more, we want to be known. Yes. It's, that's really real. And, and I think to, to your point, you're right that it can come across as a bit narcissistic sometimes maybe, but I, on the opposite end of that spectrum, what I hear from people who read what I write is the feedback I hear is like, what you did was you named the human experience. You've named my human experience. So you've given language to something that I didn't have language to. And I think that's the gift of the four is we ha don't, it comes so naturally for us to go inside and ask questions and figure out how to explain how I feel about a thing that then when we can present that to the world, it's almost like you're, you're not just naming your own experience, you're naming the experience of being a human. And there are other people who can for sure benefit from having that, having that language and having that access. Yeah. And I think for me, it's, it's like the art of creating, and it doesn't matter as a four, you could be, you know, writing books, you could be arranging flowers, uh, yeah. you could be, you could be teaching yoga, you could be doing a whole host of things. But so much of what's going on underneath that is how do I make the deepest connection with another human being mm -hmm. so we both feel known, understood, and we're a, that we're at, we're experiencing each other at the most profound spiritual level. Yes. Yes, that right? resonates. I actually don't think I've heard it articulated that way, but that is it is how I move through the world and it either it either really attracts people to me or people are like that's too much. I'm not I'm not, you know, that's a lot. It's, yeah. it's a lot for some people. <laughs> it is. It can be overwhelming and I think part of the journey to health for a four is learning to pull back. Yes. And and let relationships evolve in their own time and way versus like putting, you know, hitting fast forward and saying, I want to be as close to you as I most people would be at year five in the next five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But you can do that. But but you can I think maybe for a five, the you know, writing a book uh, or even a paragraph or a song is like hitting fast forward. It's like saying, I, I don't have, I want to get as deep and as close to you as I possibly can. So I'm going to write a song or a piece of prose or whatever to get there fast. Yeah. To find, to find the spiritual connection super fast. That resonates. You know, yeah. Right. So what, what's your subtype? I think I'm one-to-one, -one, but so okay. the subtypes are more new to me, but I'm pretty sure that I'm the sexual or one-to-one, -one, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I mean, uh, knowing subtypes is hugely important for fours. Okay. Uh, because there are two numbers on the Enneagram, fours and sixes, uh, and the subtypes of them are so different from each other that they really look like three different numbers. Interesting. And it's really those two numbers where knowing subtypes is the most important. Okay. So uh, let me just tell you, so we'll find out. Let's just okay. see if we can con confirm what, what, that if you're a one-to-one. -one. Okay. So if you're a self-preservation subtype four, uh, the name that's often given to them is uh, reckless. Okay. Okay. And uh, that type of four actually uh, 
suffers themselves, right? In other words, they bear. They're actually that's not true. Now, a better way to say it is they're long suffering. Okay. They're long suffering. So they bear suffering in silence, in order to show that they're that they're good enough mm. by enduring pain. Wow. So these people tend to be confused with threes and sevens. Okay. So for a long time, actually, I thought I was a three or a seven. I couldn't tell which, but when I read the self-preservation, and I didn't, but I didn't really resonate with the underlying motivation. Okay. And then when I read the, I always kept thinking, I must be a four, but it does, I don't sound like the, the way fours get described. And then when I read self-pres four, I was like, boom. You're like, that's it. Oh, yeah, yeah, Totally. I, I tend to be uh, a person that uh, kind of holds on to my own suffering and doesn't talk about it okay. very much, but it is a way of proving my worth, my long suffering. Mm. And I have been engaged in kind of reckless behavior in the past or nonstop activity, which is common for a self press for. Uh, and I do it to feel excited and energized. It's funny. Uh, I've been in a 12 step program for uh, quite a long time. And really the, the, the substances that I used were always, uh, stimulants. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I just, you know, that was my thing, you know? And, uh, I think that's so reckless, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be a chemical thing. Right. So, all right. So the, the social four is called shame. And that's usually the four that everybody sort of has as a stereotype, right? Okay. Uh, they, they, they have a terrific focus on their own deficiencies, okay. the, the feeling that there's something fatally flawed or fundamentally broken on the inside. Uh, they can become more addicted to their suffering. Uh, they'll, they will talk about their suffering with others. I, I don't do that as much as a social four will. Okay. Uh, so they'll talk about their suffering and they, 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 they never ever really quite believe that they can belong to the group. Okay. Uh, they always feel outside. Now the one-to-one -one is called competition. That's the name for the, the, them. And uh, they tend to express needs and feelings outwardly and intensely. They're very competitive. Mm -hmm. They're very ambitious. Yes. We often like to say that, uh, and this, this is going to sound harsh, but, it, so, but take it in context, that the, the self-pressed four suffer silently. The social four really s suffers themselves, and the, and the sexual or one-to-one -one four makes others suffer. <laughs> and, and I say that because, <laughs> yeah, right? Because what they do is they project the their own def their own deficiencies uh onto to other people uh and then punish them for those deficiencies rather than themselves wow okay does that make sense yeah this is why this is why a one-to-one -one four is often confused with with a with the one to, with the one-to-one -one subtype of eight okay they can be pretty aggressive yeah i do have i definitely have an aggressive competitive ambitious that, and that's the part that I've always thought was the three showing itself is I, I'm very ambitious. I'm very goal oriented. I kind of can get in a silo a little bit and be like so determined to get to a goal that I lose track of the people around me. Yeah. And, and I, I would also say that that that, you know, that subtype 
uh, of the four, the one-to-one subtype. Like when you go to a party, do you tend to gravitate toward the whole group or do you find two or three people at the group and spend all your night with them? The second one, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that would be common of that one-to-one subtype. Okay. Uh, they'll find someone at a, at a party or something like that or a very small group and they'll want to go very, very deep, very, very fast with totally. that group. Yes. Right. I, I kind of do that, but I'm a little bit more open to being with the whole group. I've had to train myself actually to, um, it's, I, it's a challenge that I've given myself when I go to a, an event where there's many people there, not to get so focused on one conversation that I don't talk to everybody or just sort of like to be a little bit more open to kind of staying closer to the surface and having touch points with many people in the room because I find that to be very valuable even though it's definitely not my first thing. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off. Off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. So, hmm. all right. So, you, when we were talking earlier, uh, we're sharing that there are sort of two places you've been thinking a lot uh, about the application of the Enneagram. Yeah. One is in re- is in the arena of relationships, and then the other one is in the workplace leading teams. Um, let's mm-hmm. let's talk for a moment about relationships and what it is about the foreign relationships has sort of got your attention these days. Well, I was married before, went through a divorce. This is what my book is about. And I'm about to get married again. My wedding's on November Ooh. 8th. And um, I've been engaged for since February, so six months or so, um, to a really wonderful man. I, we have a great relationship, actually. He's a nine. And we have a really good dynamic. I love our dynamic. Um, but I think it's just interesting to be to have come out of a relationship that was very volatile. And I actually learned about the Enneagram when I was in my marriage. And some there and the Enneagram helped me in some ways to understand what was going on. And then I also think that there maybe were some there were other dynamics happening that had nothing to do with the Enneagram. Um, so i I'm applying what I now know about the Enneagram in my relationship now, and I'm finding it really helpful for the most part. Um, you know, yeah, but I would say the biggest rub in the relationship between the four and the nine in my experience has been that dynamic of the four wanting to go really, really deep and the not, and my fiance at points just being like, can we just chill? <laughs> can we just like, you know, like just hang? <laughs> And not have to have this be a really intense moment, you know? Um, and the, the sense of wanting to accelerate the relationship, that has been true of us from the very beginning, that I've been the accelerator in the relationship. And he's been like this slow and steady, you know, like, let's play the long game. Let's take this slow. Let's really think things through. Um, and he brings a real groundedness and steadiness to the relationship. Okay, so I see, you know, Lots of types, and I see uh, certain patterns of relationship. So I I, I often find uh, nines and ones together. I okay. find lots of fours and sevens. Okay. Interestingly, uh, and I'm 
I see lots of fours and nines. Okay. Uh, I'm a four married to a nine. I can think of, uh, golly, so many friends of mine who are fours married to nines. So I think there's something in that connection that's like sort of worth talking about. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that really works in a four nine relationship is that both both parties are very empathic. Yeah. Right. And that's a wonderful thing. Um, they, uh, they, they do share deeply mm-hmm. and, uh, which is great. And we're, and nines create a space that is so welcoming and non-judgmental, which for a, for a four who struggles with yes. shame. Yes. It, so you're nodding your head. It has to, it has transformed the way that I feel about myself. I mean, it, I really mm-hmm. feel like being in this relationship in particular, because I was also, I was married to an eight. So the four, eight dynamic was like so explosive that being in this dynamic has helped me to settle into my body and into my life in a way that I've actually never experienced. Or if I have, it was when I was a child. So I feel just like a a sense of settledness that's so wonderful. And it helps me Mm. to kind of like it helps me to do everything. It just helps me to live my life in a way that doesn't feel so frantic all the time. And yes. that has been so healing for me. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. You know, uh, what, what happens, I think, between fours and nines is that fours uh, help nines get in touch with this incredible, the, in, the, you know, the, the instinct of energy in the world and to the aliveness in them that in lots of ways has fallen asleep. Yes. Yep. And so they can really wake that that nine up to uh, in in ways that are very powerful, right? Now the nine helps for us to experience that complete acceptance mm-hmm. we were just talking about, yeah. and to see how cool it is to be stable emotionally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, yes. They're so good at saying, "Hey, it's going to be all right." Yeah. So let me ask you this then, a question. When with the dynamic between the four and the nine of the four waking that waking up that passion and intensity of the nine, um, how does a as a four, I'm wondering how I kind of moderate there like I can go overboard is what I'm saying. And in sort of like wanting to provoke and wake that up. And and I'm wondering like how you know how to moderate that, yeah, that instinct. Yeah, it's a it's a great question. I, I you know, for me, it's really about monitoring and regulating my way of relating to other people from moment to moment uh, in conversation and just in the space and, and recognizing almost picking up on the cues of the other person like I think I'm flooding them. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. And here's how here's how I know with Annie when I'm flooding her, she glazes. She glazes. And I'll see her sometimes uh, go into sort of checkout mode, like her attention, like her attention is gone diffuse. Yes. That she's not actually she's only listening to about 40 percent of what I'm saying. Yeah. And and when that happens, I know, okay, uh, I'm picking up this cue. I'm monitoring what's going on. I need to pull back and honor difference here. Yep. Yep. So that's, that's been good. my journey with it. That's helpful. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It's not easy. And, you know, we have to extend a lot of grace to each other <laughs> yeah. uh, on, on this stuff. And, and I think it's important for the four to not judge the nine. 
for not being deep enough, uh, for not want, for not wanting to go there all the time, yeah, uh, for not being concerned about the larger matters of life, <laughs> the big existential <laughs> questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the meaning of it all? Because the nine is a little bit like, you know, yeah. it's all good. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and you're like, it's not all good. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's got to be more to this life than it's yes. all good. You know, yeah. and it's like, you know. Listen to what the nine, the wisdom of the nine and, yeah. uh, and kind of not be making a demands on them. You know, I can see why you're in your first marriage and I'm, I'm you know, I'm treading carefully here, but uh, for a one to one four to be in relationship with an eight who may be struggling with self-awareness could be very explosive. Yeah. Yes, it was. That's very explosive. Yeah, it's uh, could it could be. uh it could be interesting. Now, with a four and a nine, places where you could get into trouble. I'm okay, doing marriage. Yes. I'm doing, Please do. I'm doing pre, premarital <laughs> yeah, therapy. Yeah, I know. I need some premarital counseling. <laughs> uh, okay, the, well, you know, the, the clock's running, kids. You right. know, it's only $250 an hour. So, <laughs> clock's on now, Alec. Checks in the mail. So, absolutely. You know, that both of you are kind of prone to, uh, are sensitive to abandonment. Okay. Uh. So that's that's one area that fours and nines can can kind of get into trouble. You're both withdrawing numbers, meaning that when stuff gets a little rough, you'll withdraw from each other. Mm. That, that's and then, true. And then things don't get solved. Yeah. Mm. So is that you're just nodding your yeah, head? Yeah, that's really true for us. I mean, I, I, I've joked about it that like we don't really fight. We just tiptoe around each other. Like when we both get frustrated, it'll be like tiptoeing for a half a day. And then we're kind of like, are you good? Are you good? Like, it's not, there's no, like, our fights are not combative. They're, they're, uh, and I will say, you know, I mean, I thankfully, like, we also both are really committed to the growth process. So we don't let issues linger for months at a time. We do address them. Both of us do. I would say I'm the first usually to be like, this needs to be talked about. Um, but even if so I, if I didn't that's do that. that yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but no, that's right. that one to one eight energy. Okay. So you're going to be less of a withdrawal type than the other two. Okay. I mean, you're still, I think, in that withdrawal space, but after a while, you will not tolerate it as long as the other two will. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know, true. You, you'll start to you'll start to pursue rather than withdraw. Yes, that's true. I let it linger for a I bit, and then I do, I do jump in. Yeah, I think one thing over the years that that nines and fours struggle with is that the the even keeledness of the nine can start to feel a little too white bread for the four okay mm. the four is like oh i just want so much more passion and the nine just seems a little beige <laughs> right you yeah, know what i mean and, i do it, it, and, and then the four is like can we get some more colors in here <laughs> like like, like, yeah, like cack, totally. cack. yeah you're laughing yeah, you're yeah, laughing yeah. so how do you cope with that in your four di nine dynamic well What's been interesting is, is that was problematic for us for a while. Hmm. Uh, and frankly, the thing that, that kind of turned that around was our going through a really rough season with one of our children hmm. that forced both of us into a level of internal work that brought so many more colors into the relationship. Wow. And it, it woke my wife up, my wife up in ways that were really beautiful, mm. um, painful and difficult. But what emerged was 
a a palette of new emotional uh and you know colors yeah that 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 hadn't really been there yeah for 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 a while and uh it has been an amazing mm. blessing to my marriage mm. wow that's incredible yeah it's yeah, funny really, i sense really that stuff. with not just my fiance who's a nine but with other nines i know i i I feel like I have this sense that there's so many more layers and so much more depth than they are presenting to you. Like a nine will be in a conversation and everybody's jumping in and contributing to the conversation and sort of talking over the top of each other in a group setting, let's say. And the nine is just kind of sitting there. And I always get this sense with my fiance or with a couple of other nines that I know I'm always like, what you're thinking in your head right now is one of the most interesting things that's being considered at this table. And you're just the one who's, Mm. you're just not saying it. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's exactly right. You know, the nine is perched up at the crown uh, of the Enneagram. And what some teachers teach is that, you know, every number essentially falls asleep to itself. Mm. At some level, we all fall asleep to our true nature. Yeah. The nine at the perched up there, you know, probably more than other numbers, they're in a deeper sleep. And, uh, and, and so what, there's kind of a cascading uh, effect or a waterfall effect where they're up on the perch and, and that, 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 that tendency of the human being to fall asleep to themselves mm. is, is what we experience is the nine's energy flowing down the Enneagram on either side. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. And, it, it, and what I tell nines is don't be discouraged by that. Know that when you wake up in some ways, it is more powerful than it is for other types. Yes. And wonderful. I really see that in my fiance. I'm like, he's such a nines. You don't think of nines as being like leading a company. He has his own company. He's such a leader and people respond to him. Even he doesn't have to push people to respond to him. The The response is like people are drawn to him. They just want to do what he asks them to do. It's just without doing much coercion at all, he can he can lead a team of 25 people. So yeah, that really rings true to me about him too. Well, and what I love about fours in their leadership, st- I mean, about nines in their leadership yeah. style is they're so, they're so inclusive. They, they are. There's nothing, yeah. there's, there's nothing autocratic about a nine. You know, yeah. uh, an, an eight can be autocratic. A three can be autocratic, yeah. you know, and sort of, you know, pound the agenda through. But the nine is like, how do I bring everybody yeah. along? <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, so wonderful. it's, it's, it's really like a, like a very, very cool thing. It is. All right. So let's, you're in business. Yes. Like you're a business person. And I, again, this is kind of like a, this is wonderful because it, it pushes against the stereotype that people have of force and which is, oh, you know, chances are they're always running around the fields considering the lilies. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. And they probably don't make great leaders because they're sort of quirky and uh, they're probably not very ambitious and they're kind of so lost in their feelings that they don't get anything done. And it's like, okay, that's a stereotype. Yeah. It's kind of true because most stereotypes contain elements sure. of truth. But frankly, fours can be tremendous business leaders. Oh, I'm so... I'm so encouraged to hear you say that because I feel like even I've had my own stereotype about myself that I've been in business. I've been running my own business for the last 10 years, but it's really only been the last three that I've had a team working underneath of me. And I have so many times thought to myself, maybe I'm just not 
built for this. Maybe I was just supposed to be an artist and I should just go back to writing my own books. Um, but then there's also this drive and this, this um, intensity and an ambition in me that has, and I really, really enjoy leading a team. I really do. Um, so anyway, it's encouraging to hear you say that. Well, here's how fours typically lead a business. Okay. Uh, force of personality, number one. Right. They, they lead by force yeah. of personality. <laughs> uh, now, that can be wonderful and inspiring and motivating to people to pursue the uncompromised ideal. So yeah. fours think to themselves, OK, this is who we are and this is what we're doing. This is the ideal. And, and sometimes what a four has to learn is you have to compromise okay. on the ideal. Yeah. And that is that is anathema to the four usually. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I will not compromise, yeah. you know. Uh, and so I, I laugh sometimes at the four. I'll say, well, you know, sometimes you can't print a brochure that costs $40 a piece. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Even though it looks beautiful and everybody exactly. Yeah. it. That's right. Exactly. It's like, you know what? You got to let that go sometimes. It's like, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, that is, that's not going to work. So force oh, of personality, funny. it would be, uh, would be one way. Um, I think uh, a, another way that uh, uh, a four leads uh, at work um, is they they really uh, inspire people to in there to be authentic. Mm. They have no energy for people who are inauthentic at work. That is very true. Very right? very true. Yes. And I I uh, there's a whole host of other ways that 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 fours uh, do really really great work. Um, what's been your experience? Like what has worked for you as a four, as a, as a leader? Well, the personality, uh, piece that you mentioned has, that rings really true for me. That's been very true. I, I do a great job usually in the beginning of a project or something or something we're working on as a team, getting the team really inspired. I do have that strong thread of idealism. So I set the bar really high. It comes out sometimes as perfectionism, but it gets people excited. It gets, I can, I can cast the vision and really gather people around a, like a, a vision, an idea, a dream, set the objectives, send, set people into motion. And then where it breaks down for me as a leader, the struggle that I've had is in the day to day like even personally keeping myself motivated, you, as a four, you kind of ride these waves of inspiration so there are days when I feel like I'm, I almost feel like I could work for 16 hours and never get tired and I don't need to sleep, but who needs to eat? This is so fun. And then there are other days where you are like, I'm just not feeling it. So it's harder to get yes. motivated. And then how do you motivate a team when you're not even yourself motivated in the day-to-day -day stuff? That's just, you know, it's just emailing and to-do lists and things have to get done and as a four, you start to feel a little bit, I think, at least I do, I start to feel a little confined or trapped by the day-to-dayness of it. It's like, this is boring. Let's go on a trip. <laughs> so I've had to work through my own resistance to the ordinary in order to yes. work with the team that we we're do. The work we're doing is, of course, inspiring, but it's also ordinary because it's work. Yeah. Sometimes it's routine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes it's not related to uh, some higher transcendent thing, which is so important to yeah. force at work. Yeah. It's got to have a higher purpose. Totally. You know, and when and when you're like, OK, we got to call the email <laughs> list that does not feel like it's, you know, part of something transcendent. Totally. 
Totally. Right. And you guys also have to, we also have to watch out for our personality, which, you know, is how we lead is by force of personality. Doesn't intimidate people. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Right. It yeah. Can, it can be a little overwhelming. How do you make decisions as a four? Um, well, this is interesting. I fluctuate back and forth between when you said the word reckless at the beginning, there was a part of me that resonated with that, even though I don't think I'm the self-pres type, but because I go through phases where I make decisions very quickly and impulsively and, and take big risks. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes those risks don't work out and then it, it will shake my confidence a bit. And then I go through a phase after usually where I am much slower to make a decision and I get a little bit like waffly. Like I, I'm like, should I, should I do this or should I do this? Or no, I should do this. No, 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 I should do this. And then I'll get stuck in a rut. Um, but usually then I get out of the rut after a bit and then I start making my first impulse, I would say, is to make decisions quickly and impulsively. And I'm a risk taker. I really do. I enjoy the thrill of the risk. Yeah. And I think that's not atypical of, of fours. Okay. Um, and I think uh, one of the ways that that fours tend to make decisions is on the basis of intuition. Uh, that's true. Like I got to, yeah, I just have, I'm intuiting that this is what is yep. the right next move. And, and of course that's, that scares the bejesus out of the data people. Yeah, it totally. Yeah. That's real. Right. Yep. So, all right. So how are, how are you right now using the Enneagram to enlarge your soul and uh, help you on the journey to wholeness? Oh, such a good question. Well, I think, the biggest thing for me is really getting curious about what motivates other people. Like I think as a four, it's not hard for me to be curious about what motivates me and what's going on inside of me and what's causing me to do the things I'm doing or make the choices I'm making or um, yeah, what the thoughts are in my head, what I'm feeling, what's going on with me. Like I can pretty quickly and easily articulate that at any given moment, but I'm I'm learning as a leader in my business and then in really wanting to build a strong relationship with my fiance and, and we really want to start a family. So I'm thinking also about being a parent um, that in all those areas, in order to do the, any of that, well, I have to be as curious about other people as I am about myself. So in working relationships, I think I'm trying to pause and think like, what is motivating this person to act this way? And can I get curious about their interior landscape and ask questions and really seek to understand them as well as I understand myself? And I think it's in most cases, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm um, an expert in that at all. And, but I, I will say in most cases that it's really working for me. Like when I can mm. coach myself to do that in my relationship to Matt, he, responds very positively. And when I do it in my working relationships with the team I have working for me, they seem to come to life and really, they do really feel understood and cared for. And there seems to be a camaraderie where they're, the contribution is, um, comes easier on their end. Like they're, they feel really great about what they're contributing to the team. Well, I love what Thich Nhat Hanh says he says the beginning of love is understanding mm, that's good and I, I 
it's not feelings. It's not, you know, uh, all that stuff. It's really about understanding in particular, the suffering of the other. Yeah. What, what is it that, where is their suffering? Where, what, where have they carried it for a long time? And of course, that is not always how a very young or a four that isn't very self-aware, they don't, they're too much focused on their own suffering. Yeah. And, and believing that their suffering is unique and actually worse than the suffering of anybody else. Totally. So when a four wakes up, as you have, and they begin to say, you know, I need to be in touch with how other people mm-hmm. feel and how what their suffering has been and and be able to listen to it and connect to it and have empathy for it that's just a sign of real health mm. real health well well Ali, your 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 latest book indestructible yes right yes uh leverage leveraging your broken heart to become a force of love and change that's available on amazon uh, yep. uh right now and uh, you can be found on Instagram at Allie Fallon, right? Yep. A-L-L-Y-F-A-L-L-O-N. Uh, and on Twitter at Miss Allie Fallon. Yes. And uh, what else do you want people to know about you? Um, what else do I want people to know about me? I mean, I teach writing workshops. It's probably one of the my favorite things that I get to do. And I teach workshops to people who wouldn't necessarily consider themselves writers to help people use writing as a tool to better understand themselves in the world that they live in. So um, you can find out more about the writing workshops at findyourvoice.com. And I'm hosting. A- How did you get that URL? <laughs> how did you get that <laughs> no, URL? Just, you know, <laughs> followed my intuition. That's how I got it. <laughs> Man, give me some right of that. People at yeah, the right really. time. yeah. <laughs> so. Fantastic. Yeah. Al, we've loved have. We've oh, just loved thank having you. Thank you so much. Thanks for this. I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot and I'm going to go tell my fiance everything that I just learned. <laughs> about I know, it. man. Nines and, nines and fours got some serious mojo today, didn't they? <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. Totally. Love it. So good. Well, Al, we love we love you. We love your work. Next, when you're next in Nashville, will you, will you stop in and spend some time? I with would us? love it, of course. Thank you so much. Fantastic. Thanks to both of you. Thanks, Al. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody. Don't forget the words of the great Oscar Wilde, be yourself. Everybody Everybody else else is already already taken. taken. Love ya.